Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. I want to welcome all those in our Grovetown campus. I'd like to welcome those in our South Campus, those watching uh, online and on demand. It's great to have you in church. I'll tell you, it's, it's a beautiful day here at the Creek. A lot of great things are happening. But you know, I like to start with something funny. Did you hear about the drunk that stumbled into a baptismal service down by the river on a Sunday afternoon? They were down baptized, and he came down. The minister said, uh, excuse me, sir, would you like to find Jesus? He said, yes, sir. And he took him down in, and he put him, dunked him into the water. He pulled him up. He said, did you find Jesus? And he said, no, Reverend, I didn't. And he turned back around. He thought, huh? And he put him back down a second time, held him down, pulled him back up. He said, did you find Jesus? And he said, no, Reverend, I didn't. And then uh, the pastor was kind of frustrated, held him down the third time for 30 seconds underneath that water, pulled him up and said, did you find Jesus? And he's like moving the water out of his eyes. He said, sir, are you sure this is where he fell in? (laughs) Well, today we're continuing our series called Harvest. And during this series, we're looking at milestone moments that have taken place over the last 35 years of ministry here uh, at the creek. Now, all of us, have milestone moments. Milestone moments are those times in life where you experience something that is so significant that you mark it. It's so significant. Maybe it's spiritually significant that you just mark and say, I want to remember this. And, and oftentimes you may remember those, uh, those moments, those times for the rest of your life. You know, the Bible is filled with milestone moments. One of those moments uh, is, is talked about in Joshua chapter 3 and Joshua chapter 4. We see Joshua and the Israelites came to the Jordan River, and they needed to get across the river. Now, the folks, they had heard about Moses and the Red Sea before and how when Moses held up his rod that God parted the Red Sea. But Joshua goes up to the Jordan River, and it didn't happen that way. But God told Joshua to go tell the priest to come and that when the priest would step into the water, that the water would stop flowing and they could go over on dry ground. Now, the priest did that and they stopped and they stepped into the water and the water stopped flowing. But the, the problem was the water stopped flowing 20 miles upstream in a little town called Adam. And so the miracle was in motion, but the people could not see it developing. Some of you are at that place right now, that the miracle has already come. The miracle is in motion, but you just can't see it. You just can't feel it. You you don't see how it could happen. And as they waited, though, in that water, the water dried up. Two million people crossed the Jordan River into the Promised Land, And, you know, they had wandered for 40 years in the desert. And just as it took a miracle to get them out of Egypt, 
It was taking another miracle for them to get into the promised land. And just as God parted the Red Sea for Moses, he parted the Jordan River for Joshua. Both miracles happened so that the people would know the Lord was with them in their time of need. Think about it this way. The Red Sea miracle, it happened. It met the need of the older generation. The Jordan River miracle met the need of the younger generation. Both miracles happened so that each generation would know that the Lord was with them in their time of need. So now we pick up the story in Joshua chapter 4. They had already moved over through the Jordan River. Now they're standing on the promised land in the land of Canaan. We pick it up in Joshua chapter 4 verse 1. It said, when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men. Joshua, I need, to choose, I need you to choose 12 men from among the people. I need one from every tribe. I want you to tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing. Now carry them over with you and put them down at a place that you will stay tonight. Joshua told these 12 men, I need you to get large stones Get it out of the middle of the river, right near where the priests are standing. Take them with you. Put it on your shoulder. Make sure that when you, we camp tonight, I want you to build a memorial uh, with those stones. Now, these stones, he chose 12 because they represented their family. There were 12 families that made up the children of Israel, or 12 tribes, and he is telling them that I want you to see this as a memorial so that your family would know that God's power is the the very force that brought you to where you are today. So the men carried these stones. The priests followed them. When the priests stepped up uh, to the uh, bank of the river, the water started flowing again. We pick it up again, drop down to verse 20. And Joshua set up at Gilgal 12 stones that he had taken out of the Jordan He said to the Israelites, in the future, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them that Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. Now, Joshua told them, said, these stones are going to be used as a teaching tool for you to uh, share your story with the future generations. He envisioned that maybe uh, a dad, maybe a whole family walking down the road, they're walking by Gilgal, they see these 12 stones set up as a memorial, and the kids say, hey, dad, what's up with the stones? What do these stones mean? Then the dad would tell the story. He said, oh, these stones came out of the Jordan River on the day that, that God worked a miracle. God worked a miracle and stopped the flow of the, uh, the, the water so that our people, I mean, your grandmother 
and, and, and your granddaddy and, and Nana and, and Papa, uh, they crossed over on, uh, on dry ground. It was a miracle, son. These stones were designed to help start conversations. So in the future, I need you to tell your kids about this. Tell your children about this. Tell the the children what the Lord has done in your life. Tell your children how God has answered your prayers in your times of trouble. Tell your children how God rescued you, how God set you free. Tell your children how you saw God do amazing things. Tell them those stories over and over and over again. You know, every generation has its own stories. The older generation had the Red Sea story, and now the younger generation had the Jordan River story. And for them to have this teaching tool, Joshua said, I need you to get 12 stones. Let's build a memorial there where we camp tonight, which happened to be at Gilgal, so that the families can tell the story. Now, let me ask you a question. How are you telling your family story? What are you doing to do it? I mean, you've got to figure that out. Because you see, everybody has a story. You have a story. You have a story to tell. And what I'm challenging you is how are you going to tell that story? And you say, oh, Marty said, oh, you don't want to hear my story. Nobody needs to hear my story. No, your story is important. And all of us, we have good parts of our story and we have bad parts of our story. You know, I would rather tell the good parts all day long. But there are times when it's important to tell the, the difficult stories, the hard stories, the painful stories, the dark stories, so that people will understand where we've come from. You know, we're looking back over the last 35 years during this series, and I love to tell the stories of faith, but there have been some difficult stories along the way. I think back in in some of these stories I'd like to forget, like our first revival. Our first revival took place 35 years ago. So we had an evangelist come in. His name was Daryl Rice, and Daryl came in, and he preached. Uh, from Sunday through Wednesday night, and then I gave him a check on Wednesday night. The bank called Thursday, and the check bounced. I was just so embarrassed. I had to go to the bank, rustle up enough money to cover that. (sighs) Then I think about our first baptism. Now, we moved from the bar living room to a hotel in town, and we had our first baptism in the hot tub of the hotel. Very interesting place to have a baptism. And I guess just the whole thing gave people an idea of what it was supposed to be like. We didn't have a dress code for baptisms back then because we didn't know you were supposed to have a dress code for baptisms. And so now we have these nice uh, T-shirts that says, I was baptized at the creek, but back then we didn't. And uh, one of the first ones that came through the waters of baptism into the hot tub Uh, was uh, this uh, young lady that had a very thin T-shirt, a white, thin T-shirt. Basically, that was it um, (laughs) for the baptism. That was it. But you have never seen my wife run so fast. (laughs) 
she was there quickly to, uh, to, to be with this, uh, this dear sister and to help her with a towel. So thank you. <laughs> and so we remember, so you learn from that. So, oh, there's a reason you have T-shirts. It's just not for logos and, and to be cool. There's a practical side of most things that we do. I think about our first community-wide service. Our first community-wide, you know, we wanted to get the name of the church out in the community. And so we rented the Riverwalk Amphitheater uh, in downtown Augusta. We're going to have this uh, community service on a Sunday evening, invite everybody to come, special music, all of that. And I thought, you know what? It would be nice if we started with something funny. And we had just led a local comedian to the Lord. And I thought, you know what? We need to get him just to open up the service and try to just ease the crowd and just make them feel comfortable. Because these people may be, you know, first time uh, at the church and so forth. And so uh, I welcomed everybody, handed the microphone right over to him. He grabbed that mic and he said, how in the bleep bleep are you? And then um, after that, he shared several inappropriate stories, and I, like, wanted to crawl underneath the seats. I was the most embarrassed I think I'd ever been in recent times. Oh, you know, somebody may be saved, but they're not quite sanctified. And so, <laughs> so you just need to be aware of that and give them grace as they're being sanctified, but you don't have to give them a mic yet. So we're talking about lessons that you learned over 35 years, and so that was a lesson. You know, we can go on with uh, several other negative stories. You know, Joshua could have told a lot of negative stories because, uh, honestly, he hung out with a lot of negative people, those people who grumbled and complained in, in uh, the wilderness, but instead, he wanted to focus on the positive. He wanted to focus on the good. He wanted to focus on the miraculous. He said, I need you to tell the story. We all have a story to tell. And so I want you to be thinking about how are you going to tell your story to your children, your grandchildren, and to the um, coming generations. Because you see, faith is generational. In the Old Testament, it's the faith of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. It gives us a picture that faith is generational. So we have this opportunity to share it with those now think about today, how do we share our stories through the generations? You know, we often do that uh, uh, with posts on social media. And I just love it. Almost every week I see somebody having their family picture made here at Stevens Creek Church. It's a tradition we've had for a long time. We've just started that in our Grovetown campus and also at our South campus. But people will come and at this campus. They'll actually go stand in front of the rock and they will uh, have their family picture. I, I would imagine, and this is a serious uh, assessment, I, I would imagine that uh, a family picture in front of that rock on Stevens Creek Road is probably one of the most photographed spots in all of the community. When you think about it, every week somebody's posting a picture in front of that rock. Now, I believe that one day somebody's going to ask, well, your children and grandchildren are going to say, hey, Papa. Where's that rock at? And you're going to be able to tell the story. Oh, that rock's over. That's over at Stevens Creek Road. You know that church start, started in this, this living room, and now they've got campuses everywhere, and hundreds, even thousands of people have come to faith. 
And you know what? Your grandma and I were baptized at the creek. And you'll just be able to tell that story because that's what we do. We share the story. In Joshua chapter 4, those 12 stones reminded the nation of what God had done. But not only did it remind the nation of what God had done, it reminded the people in the community that God had power and authority. It was a testimony to the watching world. You see, when the pagans saw those stones, they would know that the God of Israel was a, a mighty God. We see in verse 24 of that same chapter, he did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. The hand of the Lord is powerful. And that you might always fear the Lord your God. That you may always fear the Lord your God. Crossing that Jordan River was a milestone moment. But Joshua understood that mighty miracles could be forgotten. Mighty miracles could be forgotten. And they needed to do something. They needed to do something that helped them to remember what God has done. To help them tell the story. Because I think Joshua understood that in telling of the story of faith, we're strengthened. We're encouraged. When you tell your story of, about your faith, you are strengthened from the inside out. In fact, this is the message of Re Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11. It says, and they defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. I love the King James version of that. It said they overcame him, which meant they overcame Satan. They overcame the enemy. They overcame temptation. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. That's the power of the cross and the word of their testimony. It is sharing that story, that every time you share the story, you grow on the inside. So that's the point. When you share your story, God gives you spiritual strength. When you share your story, God gives you spiritual strength. And we encourage you to do that. That's a part of our, our next step class here at Stevens Creek Church, to tell your story. And you say, oh, Pastor Marty, I don't have all the those Bible words, and I don't understand all that. I, I'm saved, but you know, I'm not quite sanctified. Don't worry. Just say it this. Say, this is what's happened to me. Just tell what's happened to you. Nobody knows your story better than you do. Nobody knows your story. Everybody has a story, and nobody knows your story better than you. And so I want you just to tell people, this is what's happened to me. I was headed down this uh, path, and, and uh, I met Jesus, and my life turned around, and now my life is much different than it used to be. Just tell that. Now, when you start to tell your story, I think it does three things. First of all, it reminds you of what God has done. You start to tell your story, and you start to remember all those things, what God has done in your life. And if you're like me, you know God has been faithful to me, and, and I believe that God has been faithful to you also. I mean, just practically, look at where you are now. Some of you, when you look at where you are now, and then you look back over your life where you've come from, you think, I don't know how in the world I got here. I don't know how in the world it happened. Well, it was the grace of the Lord that brought you here. 
It was the grace of the Lord that opened those doors that you walked through. It was the grace of the Lord that caused your friend to invite you to a small group or invite you to a, a church service. It was the grace of the Lord where you experienced love and hope and peace, maybe for the first time. And so when we tell our story, it reminds us of what God has done in our lives. God has given you strength when you thought you couldn't go on. God brought you the right person in your life. He, he gave you the right uh, promotion that God brought uh, this opportunity. And now you're further along than you ever imagined you would be. And let me say, it wasn't a lucky break. It wasn't a coincidence. It was the hand of God on your life that God made a way for you. God made a way for you when you thought that you wouldn't make it through. Look, all of us have go, goes through dark seasons and tough times. I'll never forget one of the darkest seasons of ministry here at Stevens Creek, when I look back over the 35 years, happened in 1996. In 1996, we sold our church building over on Old Petersburg Road, and we moved into Stevens Creek Elementary School. Now, honestly, Todd and I, we thought that the moment we moved into the school uh, auditorium, we thought the church would double in attendance. I mean, we went with faith, believing, man, it is about to take off. Uh, we were excited about this new opportunity. We felt like it was just showing vision, stepping out in faith. We moved into that school, and it was like the first half of 1996. Every week, there seems to be less people uh, than they were the week before. Every week, and to the point where it got in August of 1996 that we were less than 150 people, and we had dropped half of our attendance since January. And it was tough. Here we are, we're trying to close on uh, this land that we're, that we're on right now, trying to lead this church through it, and it was tough. And finally, I think we hit the bottom in August, and on September the 8th, it shifted. And we didn't realize that. We can look back and see it's a milestone moment. On September the 8th, what we understood was this. Everybody that was going to leave left. They, just, they left. They went to, uh, and found a good traditional church, and, and we blessed them. And um, everybody that's going to leave left, and everybody that's going to stay, stayed. And when what we found in that is that everybody's going to stay that stayed, there was unity in the church. There was unity in this group. They were unified. We were unified around a vision that lost people matter to God. And if they matter to God, then they matter to us. And we were unified in a vision that we want to boldly love this community and, and be a light to this community. And so on September 8, 1996, we started a brand new sermon series called Bold Love. And we're saying we're going to boldly love people right where they are, right in this community. And you know, God honored that, that people started coming to faith. It's almost when you look at that time, we talk about how Stevens Creek Church was started in 1987, but really we were born again in 1996 because we were unified around this. And, and ever since that day in September 8th, 1996, We've seen people come to faith almost every month since that time. It's just been amazing what has happened. God was faithful, and we have seen what God has done. 
I said there's three things. When you tell your story, it allows you to experience not only what God has done, but what God is doing. God, what God is doing. You see, the power that we experienced um, is not just stories that we talk about, but it's just to point you to the fact that God is still moving today. That's why across our campuses, 44 people are being baptized today because they've experienced what God is doing in this generation and this time. And oftentimes, we don't see God's activity. We don't feel it. But God is working behind the scenes at this particular moment, directing your footsteps, giving you opportunities that that you never dreamed that you would have. It's because of his power and his spirit. We go back to this uh, Jordan River moment. The priest took the Ark of the Covenant, and I explained that last week. The Ark of the Covenant was a sacred chest, and in this sacred chest was the Ten Commandments, was Aaron's rod that budded, and also was a jar of manna. But more than that, it housed, it represented the presence of God. So that's where the presence of God was, in that box. It was at one place in the world, wherever that box was, that's where the presence of God was. About 800 years later, the book of Israel, excuse me, Ezekiel, prophesied that that same power that parted the Jordan River, that same power would be one day released in people. Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 27, he said, and I will put my spirit in you. I'll put my spirit in you and I will move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. Now, Jesus echoed these words 600 years after that, 600 years later, Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit, what, comes on you and you will be my witnesses. You will tell your story. You will tell your story because nobody knows your story better than you. And you will tell your story And be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Now, why did he start with Jerusalem? He started with Jerusalem because that's where the people lived that he was talking to. What does that mean to us? It simply means start where you live. Start at home. Tell your story at home. Tell your story in this community. That's what we do. He said, you'll be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea. We are to bloom where we are planted. And I want you just to hear that. I want you to bloom where you're planted. And I want to sidestep just a minute and just speak to those. There's many of you today that you have dreams and visions. And your dreams and visions are out there. And they are talking about something that will help maybe change the world, something that's going to happen in years to come. And you've just got all this planned out. But let me say to you, I want you to hold on to those dreams and visions. But while you're holding on to those, I want you to roll up your sleeves and go to work at home. Because you have this moment. And too many people get stuck 
where they are because they're always waiting for what's coming and they never take advantage in this moment of what you have. You have this day. You're not promised tomorrow. And I want you to make the most of every opportunity that you have. Today is the day. And I know you say, well, I'm going to be a, uh, an executive in this company and I'm going to do that. And I'm, I'm saying show up tomorrow and work and be the best worker your company has ever seen. Bloom where you're planted. Live out your story in this community. God will exalt you and God will promote you. God will open your doors. God will give you his favor. That's what we're talking about. The spirit of God lives in you. God is working in your life. He has given you favor. He is protecting you. Um, he is pouring out his spirit through you. I mean, practically, when you think about favor, it's not a coincidence that you fell in love with the person you fell in love with. God ordered your footsteps. God was directing your steps. The, um, he is taking you places where you never dreamed, but you've got to trust him. And you've got to believe that he's going to open those doors that you cannot open. And look, he is going to close some doors that you think ought to be opened. But God can see those areas of your life, and he can see what's ahead, and he knows what's best for you. So when he closes that door, don't get upset, and don't get angry, and don't pout about it, but just say, God, my life is in your hands, and I'm going to trust that you're going to work out the details. But in the meantime, I am going to bloom where I'm planted. I am going to take root, and I'm going to do what I can do. You're going to see God's favor come upon you. You're going to see that those things that God has been doing in the background are going to come to the foreground. You may not be uh, the next in line for the promotion, but in God's favor, you're going to be given that opportunity. That's how God works. That's how his favor works. His blessing work. In fact, this is what he told the children of Israel as they were looking forward to going to the promised land. He explained what's going to happen. He said, you're going to leave this desert and you're going to go to the land of promise. And what's that going to be like? Listen to this. Deuteronomy chapter 6. When the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land. Look, listen to this to give you a land of large, flourishing cities that you did not build. Listen to that. I am going to give you a land with large cities that you, you didn't build it. He said, I am going to give you houses filled with all kinds of good things that you did not provide, wells that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. My favor is going to give you things that you didn't earn, you didn't deserve, you didn't build. It is the favor of the Lord, the blessing of the Lord that's going to rest on you. It's going to overtake you. And you're not going to say, oh, I did this on my own. I made this happen because it's going to be the Lord. You're going to be speechless. You're going to be looking at opportunities and scratching your head and say, can you believe what just happened? 
I can't tell you how many times Patty and I have had a conversation after something says, can you believe that just happened? We, we had that conversation last night. Something happened this week, and we looked and it says, can you believe that just happened? Because God's blessing is going to overtake you. But let's read the rest of the verse, verse 12. He said, but when you eat and are satisfied, when you get fat and sassy, okay? When you're just everything, you're all that you have ever hoped you'd be and and then some. When you eat and, and you're satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord. That you don't forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Listen to me now. In your prosperity, do not forget the Lord. In your prosperity, I'm telling you, it is easy to believe in the Lord when you're in the valley, when you're in the wilderness, when everything is not working well, and you don't feel well, and you're sick, and you're depressed, and you're lonely, and all of that, and you cry out to God, and God comes, and he, he uh, establishes your goal, and he, he forgives you of your sin, he fills you with his spirit, he blesses your life, and you start to see increase and promotion, and you start to see blessing. And I'm telling you, so many times when people move from um, poverty um, to prosperity, they get to the place of prosperity. It is a very dangerous place for them. It is a very dangerous because they start to believe it is their abilities and their talents that has caused them to be where they are, that I made this on my own, and I built this company, and I did this, and I did. I am telling you, pride comes just before a fall. And some of you need to be careful that as God opens the windows of heaven and, and pours out blessings, that you become humble and that you understand that it is God that has given you this ability to create wealth. It is God that has opened up the windows of heaven. It is God that has done this. And as quick as you have gotten this, I'm telling you, pride in your own abilities and pride in your life, you can lose it all overnight. He is saying, when you get to the promised land, don't forget the Lord. When you get to the place of prosperity and you're moved from that apartment and you own your own house and you say, oh my, haven't I done well? You need to be careful and understand that the Lord has given you what you have. And you give him honor and you give him praise and you return the tithe to him and you trust him with your finances. Then you'll be able to enjoy the land of blessing and you'll be able to enjoy the land of favor. Nobody but Jesus. Nobody but Jesus. Nobody but Jesus. Oh, I said three things. Our time's uh, running out, but just give me five more minutes. We do that, Grovetown? How about it, South? Just give me five more minutes, okay? When you share your story, it gives you the confidence of what God will do. What is he going to do? God has blessings in store for you. 
He's helped you in the past, but I'm telling you, you keep going after God, and the blessings in your future will surpass anything that you've seen in your past. We're talking about 35 years of ministry, and I'm bringing up some old stories, and I love to talk about the stories of faith, but I'm telling you, the best stories of Stevens Creek Church are yet to be written. They're in the days ahead, and we will see the next generation of faith take this ministry that reaches the harvest much further than those of us in the early days. And you will see this congregation go further and faster than you ever imagined. And you will realize it's not because of one man or another man or uh, one woman. It's because of the Spirit of God. It's because of people like you who continue to believe. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter uh, 9 and verse 29, it says, according to your faith, it will be done unto you. According to your faith. When your faith is as big as a mustard seed, you will be able to move the mountains, Jesus said. Do you know why and when God blesses your life? It's when you have faith, when you expect him to. When you go into a situation and you say, God, I thank you in advance for what you're going to do. I thank you for favor. I thank you for giving me the words that I need to say. And you start to thank God in advance. You have faith. Put your faith in God. Now, some of you, let me say that again. Some of us. The reason that we're not blessed in specific areas is simple. Because we've never asked God for help in that particular area. We may be off the charts over here, but over here we're not. I want to look at what you're saying and we'll look at what you're praying. Are you speaking faith? Are you asking the Lord? You know, the Bible says in James, you have not because you ask not. And so those areas where you are lacking in, look at your prayer life over those areas. And I want to encourage you to step it up, to start believing, start praying, start asking God. The Bible says, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be. Ask him and believe that you're going to receive that. In a few minutes, we're going to pray. And we're going to ask God. We're going to ask God to meet that need. So, But here's what you have to do. You have to look at your life and see the need in your life. I want you to think about that. Grovetown, South Augusta, I want you to think about it. Just, I want you to think about what's missing in my life. What's missing? Where do I need help? Where is a crisis brewing? Where's a, a pain that won't heal?
God is here to bring healing to your life. In the earlier service today, I, I felt like I had a, a word of knowledge, and I spoke about people with grief. It wasn't in my notes, but I just spoke about it. I just went there, and I just said, I said, there are people here that you've not given yourself permission to move on, but you've been stuck in this place of grief. Stepped off the stage, and I met two people. One person's not even from here. Said, I just lost my wife nine months ago, and I'm stuck in this place of grief. It was like in that moment, God reached down to touch that person right where he was. Just as God touched somebody in the earlier service, God is here to touch you. What is it that you need? What is that thing? Are you, are you worried? Are you afraid? Are you sick? What is it? I want to pray over you. And I just want you to come to the place where you say, God, I need help in this area. And you name that. God, would you help me in this area? Are you ready? Just bow your heads. All across this church. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I pray that your spirit would hover over us today. Let us sense your movement in our church. Let us sense your presence. And Lord, there are people sitting here today that they have great needs. And today they're bringing these needs to you. So God, we're saying, would you help me with this? And right here, right now, name it. Those that uh, at home today, I want you to name that. Say, God, I need help. And just name that. God, those things that we're calling out, we're doing what the scripture says. You said that uh, we have not because we ask not, but today we're asking. We're asking you to come. We're asking you to bring healing in Jesus' name. We're asking you to bring financial help. God, we're asking you to bring promotion. We're asking you to bring peace. God, I am praying right now that you would bring peace to the chaos, to those that are struggling with chaos. It's like there's chaos in your home. It's just like crazy in your house. In the name of Jesus, I pray for the chaos to leave your house where there is a spirit uh, of darkness that is warring against, that is twisting your words. I say in the name of Jesus, the power of the devil is broken over your house. Satan has no authority over your house, no authority over you. We speak Jesus over you. Say, Father, I receive Jesus and I receive what you have for me. Father, I am so thankful today that your presence and your peace is covering Stevens Creek Church. Lord, there are people being saved today. And that's you just say, Jesus, come in my heart and save me. Make me into the kind of person. Say that. Say, make me into the kind of person that you want me to be. I give you my life. Forgive me. God, let your presence just be upon us today. Just a minute, just sit right here. Just sense his presence here.
Now just pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I receive. Just say that. Say, Jesus, I receive. Say it a little bit louder. Say, Jesus, I receive what you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you today. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.